You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Scripture. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your path. How many times do we complain that we don't know what God wants? How many times are we confused as to God leading in our lives? The Scripture tells us we're to acknowledge Him, and He will direct our paths. Acknowledge Him in all our ways. But the problem is, is that we're prone to just go ahead and barge in. The human tendency is to see a problem rushing quickly to fix it without thought of the Lord. Yet, unless it's the Lord's plan, things don't go well. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to stop and ask God what He wants first. Patiently listen and obey the steps God directs. Acknowledge the Lord in all you do, and He will direct your path. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 2. As he begins his message, David waits on the Lord. You are Second Samuel is an interesting read. It's all about David. And as we came into Second Samuel 2, um, it, there's a great big narrative about the war that's going to take place, but I, I kind of got stuck on the first seven verses, um, which is nothing new for me. But I got stuck on the first seven verses, so hopefully I can share with you what the Lord showed me about the first seven verses of Second Samuel 2. I'm going to read those seven verses aloud if you want to follow along silently, and then we'll go through them and, and see what the Lord has to say. Um, we're coming up to a very large war, and it kind of sets things up for us. Second Samuel 2, it happened after this, that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? The Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household, so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown his kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness, because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. So the first verse there says, it happened after this. This is how 2 Samuel 2 begins. It happened after this. And I love the old King James because it says that it came to pass. Naturally, you have to ask, after what? Well, after Saul and Jonathan were dead, after David paid due respect to the memory of Saul and his son Jonathan, after David 
led all of Israel in mourning, not just the tribe of Judah, but all of Israel in mourning as he began the restoration process of the nation Israel. After all this, after all this, David is now considering what to do next. What's David's next move? He's still living in Ziklag, which is under the territory of the Philistines. He's still living there. And he shouldn't be living there. And he knows he shouldn't be living there. He knows that he's in danger. And he knows that all the people are with him in danger. And he wants to get back to his home. Saul's gone. David knew in his heart that he needed to arise because his time had come. Remember way back in 1 Samuel. Way, way back in 1 Samuel. The Lord anointed David king. But he had to wait these years till it come about. He knew the Lord had anointed him, and now he had a clear way to the throne. And yet, he didn't immediately send messengers throughout Israel to summon everybody to him and make them swear allegiance to him. He didn't do that. And I love this about David, because he proceeded slowly. David proceeded slowly, waiting for God to accomplish that which he promised. David waited on the Lord. You know the scripture. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. How many times do we complain that we don't know what God wants? How many times are we confused as to God leading in our lives? The scriptures tells us to acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. Acknowledge him in all our ways. But the problem is, is that we're prone to just go ahead and barge in. We're just barge right in there, blazing guns and acting crazy. At least that's what I do. Then we, later we say, Lord, what am I doing here? How did I get in this mess? Why did you lead me here? The Lord didn't lead you there. You decided to circumvent the Lord and just jump in with both feet. And you wonder what's going on. But if we stop beforehand and like David say, where should I go? Where do you want me to go? What should I do? And then wait patiently for the Lord to allow him to tell you what he needs you to do and what he wants you to do. The Lord will never give you something to do that he will also not give you the power to do it. We need to wait upon the Lord. So important that we acknowledge the Lord in everything we do. And then he says he directs our path. And David is a wonderful example of this. David is a wonderful example of this, looking for guidance for the Lord, for everything he does. And there's something we need to learn from this. For, for, this is the key, I think, to David's success. This is the key to David's success. This is one of the reasons God used him. And this is one of the reasons that we study him now. He knew that nothing would be accomplished without God. Nothing is going to be accomplished without God. He never wanted to get ahead of God, but he allowed God to accomplish all he said he would do and what he'd done. There's nobody stopping him now from ascending to the throne of Israel. No one's in his way. Saul and Jonathan are gone. David knew it was his time, but yet he didn't go there and say, I'm king. He didn't do that. He still waited. He still waited. Years and years ago, he had been anointed by God as king. But he never assumed anything. I love that. He never assumed anything. He let God lift him up. So many times, we want to raise ourselves up. We want to raise ourselves up and circumvent God's will. And we want to be raised up. But God says, no, humble yourself and I'll raise you up. 
humble myself. What do you mean? He says to the Lord in verse 1b, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? Shall I go up? Is it time, Lord? Is it now? David still had his own mind, the restoration of the whole nation. He knew that much had to be accomplished, but before anything was going to be accomplished, he turned his thoughts to the Lord for guidance. And I just absolutely love this. Absolutely love this. When we moved into this building, we got me here, and there was, this place was a, a, a wreck. And we prayed, a little circle, there was only four of us here, we prayed. And I just felt the Lord impress upon my heart something so strong I walked over to that whiteboard and I erased it because there was just all garbage on there. And I cleaned it up, washed it up, and found a marker and I put on there what's still there. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. We waited for the Lord. The Lord had other plans for us. We waited on the Lord. We didn't want to get ahead of him. Everything we do here, we wait upon the Lord. Some people come to us and say, how come it's taking you so long to retrofit the building? Because we're waiting on the Lord. And it takes time to wait upon the Lord. The Lord doesn't move as fast as I would like him to move sometimes. And I'm sure the Lord doesn't move as fast as you'd like him to move sometimes. Lord, take this away from me. I can't stand it anymore. In due time, dear. In due time. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon him. David inquired of the Lord, what shall I do? And I think this is one of the things that makes David special. I also think that there's so much to learn from this example of what David does. Instead of rushing in with our eyes closed, we need to inquire of the Lord. What do you want me, Lord? Do, Lord. And we need to be quiet before him and take time to listen to him until he answers. You know, the Lord really wants to guide you. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. He really, really wants to guide you. And he never holds back. But what he really wants is time with you. What he wants more than anything is time with you. He didn't, I've said this before, I'll say it again. He did not save me to be a pastor. He saved me to have fellowship with me. He saved me that he and I could be one and we could, I could experience his love. That's why he saved me. This is gravy. This is wonderful. But this is not why he saved me. He wants to spend time with me. He wants to hang out. He wants to show me the wonders of the universe and show me the wonders of all the worlds and show me great, wonderful things. It takes time. It takes time. We think of something and we rush right out and we begin doing it without the slightest thought of God. We see a need and we immediately want to fix it. We see broken people, and we immediately want to fix them. What if God doesn't want them fixed at that time? What if they need to reach a little bit lower spot before God can work with them, and then you get in the mix? And you wonder why things fail or things fall apart. We don't wait for God to do what he needs to do. I'm not saying helping people's wrong. You don't hear that. If you know me, you know we help people. We need to help people. It's important to help people. I want to help people. But I want to see God doing something. They need God's help more than they need mine. We need to remember that. You move in between a person and God when God's at work. <laughs> Look out. Look out. Be careful. God wants to spend time with you. And sometimes we only inquire of the Lord when there's distress, when there's a problem. 
We constantly be in contact with our Creator, our Savior, and our God. He wants us to be in constant contact with Him. This should be our first move and never an afterthought. You know that. We're preaching to the choir. David learned this the hard way. Remember, 1 Samuel, David learned this the hard way. He tried to do things without God. But God brought him back. God restored him. And it was a bitter lesson, but David remembered that. So he inquired of the Lord. Look at the rest of the verse. Shall I go up? He said, yes, go up. Where shall I go? Go to Hebron. Go to Hebron. So David went up there to his, his wives, Ahinoam and Jezreelitess, Abigail, the widow of Nabal and the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. David asked the Lord, where do you want me to go? The Lord says, Hebron. David goes faithfully. David obeys and goes faithfully. David stepped out in faith and went to where the Lord directed him. God directed David's path. God told him where to go. He told him to go to Hebron, which is a priest city. Hebron is a priestly city. It's also, if you look in the book of, I think it's Exodus, um, where they uh, set up the cities of refuge, Hebron's a city of refuge. He's told to go there. God directs him to Hebron, and it would be a sanctuary. And I think there's a really important reason why God made David go to Hebron. I really think it's an important reason. Number one, it's the second most holy city in Israel. Second most holy city in Israel. And secondly, which is more important to that, according to Genesis 49:31, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Leah are all buried there. They're all buried in Hebron, and they were examples to David of faith, and David had their examples with him. He saw their sepulchres. He saw their places. And this was a reminder to David that God's word is always true and that God was always faithful to do what he cried out to do. And I think that's one of the reasons why he meant there. These tombs would always be a thing. It's interesting, though. Look at it. David had just come back from a heavy spiritual decline. It was a pretty heavy spiritual kind that David was in when he was in Ziklag. We remember we studied it. But the Lord doesn't put him on probation. The Lord immediately uses him. The Lord answers him. Go to Hebron. Go to Hebron. I think the key here is being quiet before the Lord and waiting. And this becomes the hard part, waiting. I don't know about you, but I'm not a very good waiter. Meaning I don't wait on things well. But there is a reward for those who wait. There's a reward for those who wait. Isaiah 40, verse 31, But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be faint. There's a reward for waiting on the Lord. God will not require of me a task in which he will not empower me to do. There's a reward. I must wait for the Lord for direction but I also must wait for the Lord for strength to do the things he needs to do. And we've had this discussion before. I believe firmly that this is why it took so long for David to become king. God was preparing him. God was strengthening him. God was doing a mighty work in him. He was teaching him, training him. Talk about a seminary. Talk about Bible college. David had it rough. He had all those things he had to go through. People might say to you, I don't know where you get the strength to keep doing what you're doing. The Lord is our strength. When I wait upon the Lord, he gives me strength. He gives me strength to continue to do these things. 
We look at in awe at people's coping power with dire circumstances, and we think of ourselves, I could never do that. Well, yes, you can. Never say that, because God will give you strength to face whatever is coming down the pike at you. He will give you that strength if you wait on him. Somebody once said, never look at tomorrow's burdens with today's strength. Never look at tomorrow's burdens with today's strength. God's strength is new every morning. He will constantly give you the strength to face whatever it is that has befallen you. I must remember that is the Lord that does the strengthening. It's the Lord that does the strengthening. I do not strengthen myself. I strengthen myself in him. He does the strengthening. I'm not sure if David wrote this psalm at this time, but it certainly is fits. It is a psalm of David, and it's Psalm 40. Listen to the first verse. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Exactly, he waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined his ear to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. God has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When I was down in the miry pit and couldn't get out, a hand reached down to me, and I grabbed hold of it, and he pulled me out. He pulled me out of my despair. I'm thinking of that song, I waited. I waited for the Lord on high. Out of this song right here. And he's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor turns such aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wondrous works which you have done. Here's a kicker. And your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I could declare them and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. This is David writing this stuff. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. I waited, and he strengthened me. I waited upon the Lord. We, you know, I know we all want it our way, and I know we all want the burger when we want it, I know we love to drive through windows and get those things as fast as we possibly can, but there's something about waiting on the Lord. We're not to be like the rest of the world. We're to wait upon the Lord. And when you wait upon the Lord, people will see that. Here it is. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it. They'll see the difference in you. They'll see what the light in you, and they want to know why. How can you be joyous in this terrible time you're going through? Because I know a Lord who saved me. I don't know a Lord who loves me. David knew that. David was strengthened in the Lord. He goes to Hebron. He goes to Hebron with a purpose. And while he's there, look at verse 4. Then the men of Judah came. And there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabez-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. Now some think they were doing this trying to get David mad at the men of Jabesh-Gilead. Some think that they came to David with this. Now they anointed him, but then they said the men of Jabesh-Gilead buried Saul. It's almost like they're probing they're probing him. And there's going to be a reason for that, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But David shows great patience here. 
He doesn't ride into Hebron on a white horse, or actually it would be a white donkey because the king of Israel always rode on a donkey. Hence, that's why Jesus came to Jerusalem on a donkey. The donkey was the the, the animal that the kings rode on in, in Israel. He didn't come riding in on a donkey, claiming himself to be king, asking everybody to acquiesce and bow down to him. He didn't. He didn't force his way and claim the throne, which was rightfully his. He didn't come in the headroom and take the crown by force. He waited until the men came to him. They came to him and recognized God's calling on his life. They came to him, and they anointed him and made him king. David knew that it was better to let God to lift you up through others than to strive to advance yourself. And that is so against the world. Go to any corporation, and there's a stepping ladder, and the ladder usually is people that you step on to get to the top. This is so unlike that. Here you are to humble yourselves and allow God to raise you up. I love this Guzik. I have to give you a Guzik quote. We should strive to advance God's kingdom and leave the advancement of self in his hands. I like that. If God wants to advance me, he's going to advance me. I don't have to advance myself. The men of Judah told David that it was the men from Jabesh Gilead that cared for Saul and Jonathan. Now they did this because they were in and around Saul's territory. They like Saul. But David wants to restore the nation. David is a great restorator. He wants to restore the nation because he knows that God doesn't want a divided nation. David will restore the nation. The nation will be restored. He will be the king of all Israel. But one of Solomon's sons, the nation will divide again. The nation will divide again, and there will be two nations, Israel and Judah. So let's look at 5 through 7. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown his kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness, because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over David had a shepherd's heart. David was a shepherd. He, he was, that's what his trade was before he became king. He was a shepherd boy. But he had a shepherd heart. He had a caring heart. And he wanted to bring these people into his care. He wanted to show them kindness because they showed such kindness to not only the king, but his dear beloved friend Jonathan. He wanted to show them kindness. He cared about all the people of Israel. He wanted to see them once again be restored. And one of his first concerns was the fate of Saul and Jonathan. So he asked the leaders of Judah where about their burial, and they say it was the guys from Jabesh Gilead. They risked their lives and covered the, recovered the bodies. Now this was a very courageous adventure for them to go out and get the bodies. And David wanted to thank them for their kindness. He wanted to show his gratitude to them for taking care of the fallen king and his son. You are 
Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.